Hello and welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. This is a podcast about music where we talk through a band's career and pick a playlist of our favourite tracks as we go. My name's Gordon, I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And today we are doing Dire Straits. You can find all our playlists and articles and everything on at jeffreymusic.rocks. So uh, we've read a book for this, haven't we? Um, I've actually read two books. Oh, have you? So I'll do the second book first that we haven't both read, um, which is called Dire Straits. Okay, good title. And it's by um, a fellow called Michael Oldfield, and it's a big sort of glossy thing with pictures. So I regretted buying it as soon as I bought it because I thought it was going to be crap. Um, but it wasn't. It was actually quite a good read. It's quite old, though, so it only goes up to... It finishes after Love Over, Love Over Gold. Oh, right. So it is quite old. It is, yeah. But it is quite actually quite good. So uh, one for the fans, though, I think, because it's out of date. Was it a charity shop thing? It wasn't, no. I did my um, lo- looking at book reviews, looking for biographies and the higher rated ones. And there aren't that many for Dire Straits, but this was the high- highest rated at the time I looked. I bought it ages ago. It's odd that they didn't do a new edition, at least with Brothers and Arms. Yeah, you, you would think so. But obviously they didn't, or maybe they did. But I missed that. The edition I've got just goes up to that. But I did actually enjoy reading it in in the end. Okay. And it will give us a couple of um, points, hopefully. The book we both read is My Life in Dire Straits by John Ilsley. Yeah, the bass player. Did you like it, fella? I really did. I thought he's, he's a pretty good writer. He's quite amusing. He's comes across as quite humble. and So, yeah, I, I, I did quite enjoy it, actually. And I always thought John Ilsley seemed like a bit of a right place, right time kind of person he's not an amazing bass player or anything like that he's the one person who's been in the band the whole time apart from Mark Knopfler so he, I don't know I'd, I'd never really known much about him he always felt a little anonymous but so it was really nice to you know know a lot more about him and he's he's comes across a really nice guy a pretty decent musician or a good fella so yeah I enjoyed it you yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the right time, right placing probably applies to a lot of people. It's uh... in, Yeah, it does, in bands, doesn't it? You've only usually got one or two people that are making the difference between a, a decent set of musicians and a real band that cuts through. Yes, and obviously um, John Ilsley was uh, flat-sharing with David Knopfler. Yeah, very lucky flat-share, that one. Obviously David brought in his kid to help with their band, and he help he did. Yeah, just let's, not do any, let's not do any spoilers in case yeah. people don't know what happens. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, that was, it is just one of those things, isn't it? You know, John Ilsley's been a musician most of his childhood, enjoyed listening to, you know, that age where you... Because they were slightly old, Dire Straits, by the time they became famous. So I think, that you know, they'd been listening to Radio Luxembourg and all that stuff and Breakthrough the Beatles and everything in their teen years. Uh so yeah, he's he ends he's living in Lewisham or somewhere like that, isn't he, in South London, and uh, ends up with David Knopfler on the, as his flatmate. Yeah, is that right? You're looking like I'm saying this wrong. No, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. All it right. just sounds ridiculous that these things happen, don't they? But of course, these yeah. things happen all the time. It just happens that they got really famous, so he's written a book. I'm sure Mark Knopfler would have been famous anyway. I'm sure he would have he would have found a way to break through. But you know, anyway, let's let's crack on, shall we? So the, these three formed Dire Straits. Yes, they they did, and then they looked for a looked for a drummer, and they from another band. I think they found Pick Withers. Yep. To play the drum kit, and uh, things seemed to happen quite quickly, didn't they? For for them, they re- they recorded um, a demo, 
and gave it to a DJ for some opinion and that and basically he loved it played it a lot and tried to sign them he didn't sign them but by playing it all all the time particularly songs of swing i think um that generated enough interest for them to get a contract and get going yeah it does happen pretty quickly um as you say mainly off the back of sultans of swing i mean that so the first album was out in 1978 so i guess you know this is the time of punk and everything so i i guess dire straits are probably a little bit different to most of the music that was around at that time. Well, they they definitely were, but they still they still are. I mean, there aren't many people that play that very English-sounding country rock, if you can call it that. There aren't many people that play that style of music with a pick guitar, and it, it's quite an unusual sound, even now. There aren't many copycat bands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is more, it is like sort of, it is English Americana, isn't it, really? Or most of it, yeah. not all of it. Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. It's, it's it's got a very country twang all the way through it. I mean, especially in the early days. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Which they do mention. He mentions in the book, doesn't it, about people talking about like, having a a country twang uh, Americana, and they're saying, "Oh, yeah, people say that." If I was like, "Well, of course, people say that because it's true. It's definitely in there. You can hear it." Yeah, and they, and they were lucky to tour with Talking Heads in the early days as well. Yeah, Talking Heads first first tour of the of Britain, wasn't it? Yeah, and they seem to get on really well, which is nice. I was I was really hoping, being a big Talking Heads fan, I was really hoping that there'd be a nice story there and they wouldn't be slagging them off. But no, they got on really well. Yeah, and I think I think it's actually from Chris Vance's book, this, but I think it was from Dire Straits that Talking Heads learned that you actually have to look after your instruments and to, you know, clean the guitars and change the strings and everything. And they hadn't realised they were just carrying on and they were like, and they were like, saw them all changing their strings and everything and they were like what are you doing they'd never done that before although saying that I, john illsley did say he never changed his bass strings he's got the same ones on that's why he gets that quite dull bass sound he didn't like the more twangy bass sound it's just interesting that he said the opposite point that he never changed his such strings yes and w- once he found his roadie changing them and he made him put the old ones back all oh, right yes yeah yeah so i guess he was the, probably the knotflers then that, that they saw must have been yeah So they make this first album called Dire Straits. They do. So what do you think of it? I like it. I think it's very good, very strong. I, I, I do like a bit of Americana, as you know. So this is um, playing to my likes. But I think it's um, very good throughout. I don't. There's nothing on it I don't like. And so it's like really nice sort of chilled, generally, um, album for, throughout. What about you? I think I like it less than you do. I, I would say that there are some very good high points on it and there's... Only a couple of points, I would say, are weaker. But I find most of it a little uninteresting. It's perfectly nice, perfectly pleasant, but not much of it catches my imagination, to be honest. I just find it a little, a little just a little boring. But, it's, mm. but that sounds harsh, and I mean it to. It's still, still a decent album. It's There were some very, very nice bits on it. But yeah, on the whole, I think it's kind of, it's all right. I mean, the, the album about the first half of the album is about sort of unhappy love affairs generally, and the second half of the album is um, a London-based inspired songs. I think I, I don't know. I think I think there are a couple of songs, but person for me, t- track two and three, which are less interesting, which means that I think the album starts a little bit underwhelming. I like down to the waterline, but you start it sort of a little bit underwhelmed, but then it. I think the rest of it I do like. I'd, I'd agree with that. I also like Down to the Waterline. That's definitely one of my top tracks on the album. Water of Love is okay, but then I think it gets weaker with tracks three, four, five. I don't really like any of those tracks. With Setting Me Up, Six Blade Knife and Southbound again. 
don't mm. really like any of those tracks at all. And then I think it gets stronger again. Obviously, Sultans of Swing is a cracker. And then the end, last two tracks are perfectly decent. Last three tracks, I should say. I, I roughly agree with you. I said, it's those two. I do, I do like Six Blade Knife. I don't dislike tracks two and three. It's all I right. Think, I yeah. think they're definitely the least interesting on the album. So what would be your tracks for the playlist? What are your nominations? Well, I think the, the obvious track, obviously, is Sultans of Swing. I agree. Second, I would then be picking either Down to the Waterline or probably in the gallery. I really like Wild Wild West as well. Sorry, Wild Wild. Sorry, Wild West End. So I would probably pick one of those three. I would I would agree with you. Obviously, Sultans of Swing is the best track on the album. It is rightfully regarded as a top classic. It's not an overrated track at all, in my view. And obviously, was their breakthrough. And I think Down to the Waterline is... is Clearly, the second best track on the album. Okay, so I'm, they would I'm be happy my to pick that. Okay, I've, I agree with you on Sultans of Swing. I think th- the problem I comes from, particularly I think probably in America, because we don't have rock radio as much. But when you listen to radio stations that play your genre, they tend to be really unimaginative and just play the same few songs, whereas they, they should really vary it a bit and play some dire straits, but. They've got six albums, play some different tracks, but they probably play Sultans of Swing and a couple of tracks off Brothers in Arms and, and not much more, I, I guess. They probably have the same three or four tracks they generally play. Well, when I was last in America, the number of times I heard Toto's Africa, and that is a decent song. You know, it's mm. a song that you comes on the radio, you have a bit of a sing-along, it's all, you know, I fucking hated it by the time I'd been there two weeks. I'd heard it so many times. Yeah, I think that 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 does. You just get sick of the song. I, I, I have that thing with ABBA now. I kind of accept ABBA are a decent band, but I've heard them, heard them so much in the 80s that I just don't want to listen to them ever again. Let's not go down the route of criticising American radio stations. No. Even if they are boring. Fair enough, yes. So, and the same here, where I live in Spain, the radio stations are really boring. Yeah, it's the same over here. If it, you can, you know, listen to well, six music's all right, isn't it? Yes, there, there, there is sort of can be a bit of repetition because they do the whole playlist thing. But if you listen to like a genre radio, they are quite unimaginative in terms of going through a band's back catalogue a little bit. They'll just sort of stick to the same one or two songs. Anyway, back to Dire Straits. So go to the second album, which was 1979. The The lineup is the same, although there is a keyboard player on this one, Barry Beckett. Yeah, they record this in the, uh, in the Caribbean, don't they? With, is it Jerry Wexler? It is, yeah. The producer who we met when we did Otis Redding, of course. Yeah, another Jeffrey connection. So it's got a slightly different sound for that. Slightly, although, I mean, it was rushed out and the band didn't want to do an album did they if the record company wanted a new album they felt it was a bit too early and the producer jeffrey jerry wexler did consciously try and copy the first album a bit but it definitely is a lot more polished and it it isn't exactly the same is it there is a sort of slight style shift it is similar though is i mean i think you're right to say it's more polished i think it's a bit more loungy than the first album, which did felt a little bit rough around the edges. So this to me feels a bit of a softer sound, a bit loungier, bit, which you might expect if they're there mucking around on the beach in uh, the Caribbean, being uh, schmoozed by some top radio company exec, a legend like Jerry Wexler. So you, you do get this kind of softer sound, I think. Yeah. 
And I think this was was this not done at the recording studio that Talking Heads used as well? Yeah, they they'd recorded there as well, hadn't they? Is it the one in Montserrat? Nassau at Compass Point Studios in Nassau. Oh, that's right. It's in yeah in the Bahamas, isn't it? Yeah, I think they record later in probably Montserrat. <laughs> we'll we'll stumble over that later. But you're right, it's in the Bahamas, wasn't it? In Nassau, Nassau, Nassau. So, what do you think of the album? How do you? Well, what I said really, I think it's a slightly smoother, softer, loungier sound, a very similar, but otherwise quite similar, uh, without something as good as Sultan's a swing on it. So to me, it just feels like a bit, a bit more of the same, but less so. Yeah, I I, I sympathise with some of that. I do think I like it overall more. I think it does. Obviously, it does lack the Sultans of Swing banger on there, but I do think overall it doesn't have the weak spot that the first album does. I would disagree because I think there's quite a few tracks there which I just think are blander and not really anything going on. I mean, I suppose that was true of the first album as well. But I think the last couple of tracks are a bit, yeah, just a bit dull. Where do you think you're going? Um, the title track as well, Communique. I think it's just a bit, I don't know, just a bit nothingness really there for me. I really like the kickoff track, Once Upon a Time in the West. I think that's great. Really, really strong. I like Lady Writer. I do like Angel of Mercy and Portobello Bell. And News is all right as well. But the rest of them, it's all a bit kind of bland for me. I mean, I do think Once Upon a Time in the West is really good. And it's a great start to the album, but I just don't think it goes any, that anywhere really after that. So I think that's um, Once Upon a Time in the West will be our top song. Obvious then. pick, yeah. yeah. That's the one that we, we both have in our top, top two or three. I mean, my favourite song on the album is Where Do You Think You're Going? Oh, really? All right. Well, it's not mine. No, clearly not. I'd be, I mean, to be honest, as I said, I, I actually like all the song, all, pretty much everything on it. So I don't... What did you say? Did you say Portobello Bell next or...? I think I had Lady Writer next, but I mean, it's all very similar. Angel of Mercy, Portobello Bell, even News. News or Portobello Bell? Portobello Bell. And then we ranked the album. So you want it below. Yeah. And I want it above. So where does that leave us then? Well, I'm not going to argue too strongly on it because I don't think there's a massive difference between the two. I definitely prefer Communique, but... Do you say that? I'd say Communique. I don't know if, I, if I'm right. It's just what I've always said. Well, I'm saying communique. Because it depends what he says in the song. Let me listen. Hold on. He says communique. Is that what you said? Well, I think that's what you said. It's not what I said. It's, well, it's nearer to what I said. I think it is. I say communique. communique. Not communique. It says communique. Communique. I think that was that. So I think we've, we've got our tracks, haven't we? So we're discussing ranking the album, weren't we? Yes. Not just how to pronounce it. Do you, so do you think you do you have it? Well, I would have it below. Is and but again, I don't feel massively strongly. I, I feel I've got this ranking absolutely right for myself. That I don't have any doubts about any album I've got in order here at all. But I accept some of them are you know, like mm. paper thin. The differences. So for me, these two albums very much belong together. They feel very much kind of uh, a pair of albums that are very, very similar. And I don't really mind which order they go in that much. And I don't think I'd listen to either. I just wouldn't be interested enough to listen to either of them. I would happily listen to the individual tracks, but I wouldn't listen to either album. Okay. Shall we leave it like this for the moment? But I I suspect... I I don't know. What, What do you mean? Like I don't know which way around you've put them. I've got them in chronological order at the moment. But which one's above the other? 
Well, Dire Straits at the moment is the top one. Is it? Right, okay. Because that's just well, how they drop it. onto the list. Okay. But I suspect that we might need to change that to keep us both You think we might need to negotiate later? I yeah, think okay. negotiation will probably put um, communique higher up. Right. For now, let's leave it. So I think after, after this album, David Knopfler leaves the band. Well, it's during the recording of the next album, isn't it? Which they record in New York. And he's just not into it, and he's getting quite upset, uh, seemingly upset that his brother's getting all the plaudits, and I don't know, it's just it's just not working as a band anymore. He's mm. not he's not contributing, he's not practicing his parts, he's not ready to play. During the recording of this album, he is essentially leaves, doesn't he? Yes, I I, I don't know whether he was kicked out or what, but basically, wherever you look for the the story of what happened, it's different. So, like in the the Dire Straits book, the first one I read, basically David Knopfler was quite grumpy and moany and didn't really like touring. And they basically had a bust up during the recording of making movies because David was trying to do some experimenting and Mark didn't want him to do anything, just told him to stop. And they just had some kind of brotherly bust up, which just never got rectified and he got kicked out. Obviously, John Osley's book, I can't remember exactly what he said. Can you? Well, he said that that there was clearly tension between the brothers and they'd had an argument, yes. But he said that David Knopfler was just not contributing. He wasn't practising his parts as they developed the songs. He didn't come back prepared. So he wasn't really playing. He was wasting time. The frustration with him was growing in the band. So I guess it was a, a more... I mean, it was it's not a totally dissimilar story. Mm, yeah. I guess it was probably a build-up of all this stuff and, the, and there probably was a big argument and that was that was it. Well, I can I can say, you know, trying to do something creative with your brother is obviously like an absolute nightmare, as as as, uh, as I'm sure you know. Yes, it's uh, doomed to failure. I think so. <laughs> I think we're proving that. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, so it's, it's a pity in a way. I always I never really like it when bands end up sort of falling apart and the lineup just becomes so fluid that it's really just one person, or in this case, two. At the moment, three, because Pick's still with it, but not for long. Yeah, yeah. No, he hasn't got that long left. But at, for the moment, or for this album anyway, he does. They, they bring in Sid McGuinness on rhythm guitar and Roy Bitten on keyboards. Roy Bitten's from the E Street Band, and Sid McGuinness has played with Peter Gabriel and Carla, Carly Simon, amongst others. So uh, not bad CVs. No, no, not bad at all. The producer brought in is Jeffrey Connection Alert again, uh, Jimmy Iovine. Iovine? Don't know how to pronounce his name, but he worked on Patty Smith's Easter. Ah, well, there you go. So, so Jeffrey's got got the fingers all over this, haven't they? Really? Yeah. There's um, we pretty much made Dire Straits, I think. There's bits of string going all over the place to do all these. Really is. The Jeff links are, are pretty abundant. I've forgotten to put those in recently. Never I'm mind. A bit bored I'm of not them. sure anyone reads it. <laughs> a bit bored of them. It just goes on. Uh, I think I might just stop doing that. Yeah. I hope nobody notices. And I think for for the tour as well, for this album, they recruited Alan Clark, who I think stayed with the band a bit on keyboards, and Hal Lindis for the guitar. But the actual album itself, um, we are now hitting the 80s. This is 1980, making movies. What do you think of this one? Well, it's quite a different sound, I think. I think it's a much more complex, deeper stuff going on here. Obviously, you've got the classic Romeo and Juliet. You've got Tunnel of Love, Stalwart favorites like Solid Rock, Espresso Love. I think it's just a different, just a different league than the first two albums for me. It's it is that much deeper, broader sound. It's, there's a lot more going on. The the songs just take a little bit more time. Whereas before, in the past it just felt they were kind of like 
verse, chorus, plinky plonky stuff in a fair, most songs anyway. And they're sort of fairly simple structures and fairly simple songs. <laughs> uh, this does feel like there's a lot more going on. Just more interesting, more developed. Romeo and Juliet is just an amazing song. So yeah, I think it's just a lot more complicated, a lot more interesting. Les Boys is a bit embarrassing, especially these day, this day and age. One does rather fear for the... Is, is there a homophobic theme going on there, which is a bit uncomfortable? If we take it as, you know, it's just a bit of a joke about some people that they shared the cabaret stage with. Yeah, I mean, it, it is touched on in John Ilsley's book, isn't it? And he said it. the, mm. the song was about when they were touring. Was it? Ber- I think it was Berlin. There was a group of guys from Liverpool who were doing a cabaret act and they were get and they basically they they had a sort of night out drinking with them and that's what the song is based on is this sort of jolly evening they had with them so I I suspect it is actually all in good good humour all in good fun yeah but obviously it's it's really not dated very well no it hasn't it hasn't and that makes me slightly and it's not a bad little silly throwaway song at the end but yeah I mean I don't I mean for me I don't think Dire Straits do sort of happy, funny, jolly songs that well. That's not really what I I like from Dire Straits, personally. No, it's a bit... It's just a little bit too shallow for what they do. I mean, they do have humour in their songs, as we'll sit on the next album as well. We've got Industrial Disease and stuff. So, I mean, there is humour in their songs. There is jollity. There is... Well, even... I think Romeo and Juliet has humour in. Well, it does, The way he's just paraphrasing the story, like... Yeah. Like, you know, it's that, you know... How about we get it on us or whatever the line is? Yeah. You know, How just, about it? Yeah. So, th- I mean, there's definitely a sense of humour in, in in doing that. Yeah, I think the humour does come through a lot more in this album than it has in the previous albums and does more in the subsequent albums as well. Yeah. It's like they're finding a lot more, com- finding their feet in terms of that and a lot more confidence. It does feel like a more confident, strutty album, but this is kind of more what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely hear a sort of, there is like a proper development in style from communique which was like a tiny little tiptoe in style i mean that's one of the things where i prefer it as well because it does have that little bit of keyboard and other things about it that's communique and this is obviously one step further on i I think it's several steps further on well yeah it's stylistically yeah i mean i don't i don't think the songs are as strong really but i can get why people like it more because it's from the style point of view but it's not it's not for me, this one, really. But it's all right. It's a decent album. With the exception of Les Boys, it does rather spoil whatever you spoil. Can't think of An it. album? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I mean, there's no, like, terrible songs on this. It, it, it is all right, apart from Les Boys. So I don't want to be too scathing on it. I would personally be putting this third Really? Yes. Oh my god, this is this is kind of one of those weird episodes of where we just do not see eye to eye. This to me, of the three albums, this is top. I've gathered that, and I, 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 yeah, I and I, I say that with confidence, and I don't always speak with confidence, but I do this time. Shall we try and pick tracks first? <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, the first two tracks, "Tunnel of Love," "Romeo and Juliet," "Romeo and Juliet," obviously the strongest. I do really like "Tunnel of Love" as well, so they would be my top two. And then Espresso Love, Hand in Hand, and maybe Solid Rock will be the next three. Okay. Les Boys at the bottom, obviously. Naturally. Yeah, I would pick Skate Away, which was originally called Making Movies. So that's that's where the album title comes from. And Solid Rock, they would be my top two tracks. Really? Yeah. You oh, my God. I don't, I don't know where to go with this, because we usually have something in the old Venn diagram intersection, don't we? 
Yeah, there's now here, is there? No, I'm not even. I mean, yeah, skate away. I mean, it's all right, but Romeo and Juliet has to go. Surely has to go on the list. I mean, surely. Where is that in your list? Um, Mid mid table. I mean, I'd say apart from Les Boys, let's just take that out. Let's not even discuss it. Yeah, of course. I don't dislike any song. There's not massive gaps between it. So, but it's a sort of, I, I think, you know, most, basically I'd say pretty much all the songs are okay. All right, well, let's go for then Romeo and Juliet and Solid Rock. Because you said Solid Rock. Yes, I'm fine with it. We did mid-ta- actually... Mid-table for me. Sorry? It's the only ca- song we actually both said. Well, yeah, but I did say every song, apart from Skateway and Les Boys. Pretty much, yeah. Well, we did have there to are only seven. that. <laughs> so, Solid Rock... Yeah. Which is a decent song live. I mean, it, it was it was uh, all pretty much always in their set list from this point on. Anyway, okay, we're going for Romeo and Juliet and Solid Rock. And obviously we're completely disagreeing about where to put this album. So how are we going to sort this little mess out? It is a conundrum, isn't it? And I'm also... It is. Yeah, and I'm, I'm concerned about where we're going with the other albums too. Well, um, if we can... I mean, I'm, okay, I, I can see here that I'm going to have to seed, put in... What's it called again? Com- communique. 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 Above the first album. Dire Straits. Yeah, Dire Straits, <laughs> thank you. In order to allow making movies to go top. To go top. Okay, so let's put that at Is the that, top for now. For the moment. I realise there may be further negotiation required. Yeah. At a later stage. Let's do that for now. Nerve-wracking, this one. Yeah, it's going to be... Uh, we're going to have to have a... Have a disparate after this, aren't we? God, goodness me. And a sit down. Yeah, definitely. I'm uh, already planning my cup of tea. Right, so we need to move on an album now, don't we? So let's have a look at the lineup. I think it's fa- is fairly static for this album. So it's Mark Knopfler, obviously, Hal Lindis and Alan Clark, who joined for the live bands, have stayed. John Ilsley, obviously, and Pick Withers is still the drummer for this this album we have extras from mike manieri vibes and marimbas and ed walsh synth programming around this time they also released twisting by the pool as a single but that i would put forward as another example of a jolly day a straight song that doesn't work i would agree with you on that i think the, the the evidence is clear on that one that it's not their strength and apparently mark wanted a double album here but obviously got talked back down to a single album which maybe is why they've got you know a few longer tracks on here so let's go for it. Would you want to go first this time? Yeah, I think it's not dissimilar in a lot of ways from the previous album. Um, stylistically, it, I don't think the songs are quite as good generally, but I do think side one is basically very good and side two is not. I think if it was me, I don't, I'm not a massive, although I'm not really a massive fan of private investigations. So. Although what I've just said about side one, there were two things. Telegraph Road, they've just fade out. And I really don't like that. We've discussed fading out in the past. Yeah. And they really shouldn't have done that. And private investigations, I, I quite like musically. And I think what I, if, if I was um, in charge, I think I would have made Telegraph Road the whole side and probably used the private investigations music as a whole one piece that I didn't fade out. Merged, merged the two songs. Yeah. Which obviously was would be a bad idea because Private Investigations was quite a big hit in a lot of countries. But if it was me, that's what I would do. 
Side two, I find quite dull. I mean, industrial disease isn't dull, but I'm just not a massive fan of it. When I was a young fella, I, I liked it more than I do now. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious when I was younger. And now I just think, eh, not not bigly, big into comedy songs. Yeah, and Love Over Gold, I don't like. It Never Rains is okay. It's the, it's the better song there. But if I had a vinyl copy of this, I wouldn't ever bother flipping it over to listen to side two. Do you want to hear what I think of the album? Yes, that's what I was leaving the space for. Well, I really like it, especially side one. I like it a lot. I completely agree with you about Telegraph Road fading out, which doesn't make any sense after you've invested 14 minutes into what's, I think, a cracking song, a beautiful piece, and then you fade it out. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It just sort of, it's, it sort of fades out, but it's also abrupt, which is kind of an odd, mm. it's like worst of both worlds a little bit. But the song itself, apart from that nitpicky point, is a cracker, I think. I think it's a great song. I love Private Investigations. I think it's great. I loved it when I was a kid. Um, I think this was, was the first Dash Straits album I got, and I really liked that. So for me, side one is peak Dash Straits. Side two, I agree with you, is a bit weaker. Uh, Industrial Disease is fine, but it's a bit silly, but it's fine, it's okay. Similarly, Low Over Gold, I think it's all right, and I think It Never Rains is a really good track as well. So for me, I, th- I really like this. I like the depth of it. I like the sound of it. I think it is building on where we were going with making movies and taking that two or three steps further as well. So maybe this is the a difference between me and you is I've always liked proggy music a bit more than you, but I think you were le- less drawn into that world than I was. So maybe this is what I'm appreciating is longer, deeper, layered pieces more than you are, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. I'm saying I'm a deeper person and you're shallower, I think is what I'm saying. Reading between the lines, I'm coming off well in my description. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> my interpretation is... Uh, yeah. I think, doing, doing me proud. Yeah. I mean, there's also the thing, obviously, I like Americana more than you. And when the first two well, albums are, obviously have a definite Americana running through it, it's kind of um, opening up this difference. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. So what, so what tracks are you going to pick? Are you going to suggest? Well, I would be picking Telegraph Road, definitely. And then possibly... I think my next two was I suppose Private Investigations or It Never Rains as a second one. Yeah, they would be my top three tracks as well. And my top two tracks are Telegraph Road and Private Investigations. So let's just go for those two. Okay. The next problem is, of course, the ranking. You see, now in my ranking, this would be fourth. This is below making movies. Yes. So lit- our, our rankings are literally upside down at this point. Pretty much, yeah. Because I, th- I think Cause although- I this top, making movies next, then. Dire Straits, then come com- communicate. I could happily put this above making movies, i.e. as inferred. I think the Love Over Gold has a better peak than making movies, whereas I think making movies is more consistent. But also Love Over Gold doesn't have Les Boys on it, so that's another feather in its cap. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure its peak is higher if you think of Romeo and Juliet. I think it's a pretty high peak, as is Tunnel of Level. They're not quite as high as... Uh, you see, you, right, you rate those songs quite a bit higher than I do. Yeah, I do. Well, for me, this is top, and Making Movies is second. Again, like the first two albums belong together, the next yeah. two albums belong... These next two albums belong together. Well, I think I kind of agree. I agree with that. We're just putting them in different order. Yeah. Goodness knows what's going to happen. I just, yeah, there's, there's no solution here, really, is there? I, I just thought that everybody thought that Love Over Gold and Making Movies were better 
than the first two albums. The first two albums to me are quite anonymous and just quite forgettable. Although interesting from a you know historical point of view, and obviously you've got a couple of really good tracks on there. Whereas these two albums, I just sit and enjoy most of the album, apart from Les Boys, as I said, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. Can we just take it from here, everybody, that when we refer to making movies and are positive, we're not talking about Les Boys. We don't need to say that. Yeah, okay, that's good. We can just park that, just park assume that. it's as red. Move yeah. on. So for now, I've put it top. I think maybe okay. we should just wait until we get to the end. I think you might be right, yeah. maybe review it, because... Um, this is all over the place. It really is. So Brothers in Arms. Well, yeah, so after after the recording, I think, of Love Over Gold, Pick Withers handed in his notice, didn't he? Yeah. And he, I don't think he didn't tour, which John Ilsley was a bit, little bit put out of. He thought it was bad form. But then their new drummer, Terry Williams, then doesn't play on uh, Brothers in Arms. They got a session drummer in to play called Omar Hakim. But the argument being Terry Williams is a great live drummer. And so they got a session drummer in to make Brothers in Arms sound good. And the only bit that Terry Williams actually plays is that drum in- intro on uh, Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing, thank you. So, yeah, so Hal leaves the band as well. Yeah, Hal Lind is, is not wanting to tour family. He's got a baby by this point, I think. So he there's no bad feeling or anything. He just wants to step away. Just by this time, they are huge. They are just getting bigger and bigger and obviously with brothers in arms the success of that even bigger yeah because i mean love over gold was incredibly successful as well it was number one in a lot of countries you know talk about timing and everything obviously brothers in arms was incredibly well timed with the birth of cd and you've got this incredibly well produced good sounding album that even now just doesn't apart from i mean there are a couple of little bits in songs but generally doesn't sound dated certainly not in the production it does still sound amazing I think it sounds. I think it sounds ever so slightly dated. In there is a little bit too much echo on it. That just sounds a little bit too eightiesy for me. But in general, I would agree with you. A lot of it sounds very good still. Just a slight hint that's just not quite there for me mm-hmm. in terms of the the sound, the engineering, or the production or whatever. Yeah, and obviously this album was an absolutely massive hit. And listening now, it, it's it's hard to understand why compared to the rest of their albums, why this is sort of so much better selling. Because it's, I mean, in terms of standard of songs, it's all over the place. I would agree with you. Going sort of starting at the bottom or fairly near the bottom. I mean, like that song, One World, which is the penultimate track. Every time I heard that song, I was thinking, what the hell's this? I've never heard this before. It's so anonymous. I genuinely thought, I kept thinking, I've not heard this before. Where's it from? Yeah, exactly the same response. I couldn't remember it at all when I first, when we re-listened for this. I, no, I thought I knew this album really well. And as you say, I, I, and now you're talking about it, I can't even think what it sounds like. Yeah, no, I've no idea. <laughs> I mean, r- right across... Every other song, looking at I know them all. Yeah. I mean, Just by reading the titles enough. I mean, Ride Across the River's got some really dreadful keyboards in it, which just makes me laugh. It's sort of like horrible pan keyboards, which I think in a previous episode I made a joke about John Shuttleworth playing the keyboards on a track. And I should have saved it for this one because it really is, really is dreadful. But that to me, that's an example of where it comes, where the 80s-ness leaks out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there is, I think musically... Because it's a good song. Musically, there are some 80s-ness in it. I think in the production and how it sounds, you know, if you're trying to sell somebody a CD player, can understand why you think, bung this on and yeah. listen to this. 
But I mean, I, I think Radical Sugar is a really is a pretty decent song. But yeah, there are moments like that where you just think, ugh, you know. And and it's true of so many bands in the eighties, you know, as we course talked about when we did Rush. But yeah, that's one of those moments, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's not one of my least favourite songs on this album. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, not mine. I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's a lot of great stuff on this album at all. Do you know? Do you know what I find odd about it as well is it starts with "So Far Away," which is just such an oddly insipid start, and it's not a terrible song by any means. But then it goes into "Money for Nothing," which is such an attention-grabbing song, especially that the chords at the beginning after the intro, the stingy intro over mm. the drums, which is a great intro. I know you're not a fan of Sting, but I think it's a great intro. But when that chord comes in, that chord is so amazing sounding. It's just such a clean, uh, distinctive, powerful chord. And then the song is such a, you know, a catchy, brilliant pop song. Why didn't you start with that? Why do you put that crap so far away on first? Well, I half... nonsensical. I half agree with you. I think So Far Away is the best song on the album, quite comfortably. Oh, my God. Seriously? But why they've started with it? I think does beg a belief. And obviously you should start with Money for Nothing. The intro is brilliant. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me to start with So Far Away. And, um, and it's not a terrible song, I would agree. That it's not. Te- I mean, I wouldn't put it at the top of the tree. So money. F- move on to Money for Nothing. So don't look at your screen. How long is Money for Nothing? Um, okay, without looking. Uh, I don't know. I would guess five minutes. Now look at your screen. Eight minutes, 25. Oh, my God. I didn't, well, I suppose the intro must be like nearly a minute. But this is another issue with this and the fact that that song goes on so, so long and they should have basically edited it down and used a radio edit because it's a good song. Obviously, it's a great, great pop song. But I noticed like having to, I've just like sat here and just thinking like, is this song still going on? Because the intro is not that long. It is just like all this, I want my, I want my, for about four minutes at the end. And it, it does just really, it just goes on and on and on. It doesn't need to be that long. I would completely agree with you. And I do think it is a great pop song. But again, I had, do have some issues with the lyrics. Well, the, I was going to bring this up here as well, yes. Okay, we're revisiting our friend Homophobia. Yes. The the faggot with the earring and all that stuff, which he repeats and repeats. It's like he says it once and you think, all right, Mark, just okay. And then he goes back and he's saying it again and again. And I'm thinking, Mark, would you just stop it? Once you might be able to get away with, but you're now like constructing the entire verse around this. Yeah. And I don't know, to me, it's just a bit embarrassing now. And it's a pity. It's such a good song. Yeah. I mean, they should be able to just take it out or something. But I mean, other, again, just I change, don't, I don't change the lyric, any, yeah. any malice in it. And, you know, people, how language was different then. But obviously, it's never a nice word. And it's like, if you're writing a song, why are you... I don't know. We're, intention is irrelevant to some extent. Not entirely irrelevant, but intention is largely irrelevant. And if you are, if you're using a slur, like a word like faggot, uh, to describe, and, and essentially you're, because he's got an earring and long hair, I think, or if mm. I remember rightly from the lyrics, but which is hardly unusual in the pop world, or indeed in dire straits. <laughs> so, but you, you're using th- that as a slur, and and therefore whatever your intention you are still then having a negative impact. I'm uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think, you know, there are issues with that song. I'm uncomfortable to if, with that. I'm uncomfortable with it being 8 minutes, 25 seconds song as well. It's a slightly different issue. It is, yeah. it is. But it, it, obviously, you know, the, the thing is, if you're going to listen to the song, is listen to a radio edit off one of the compilations and not this version on the album. 
Walk of Life, despite what I've said about them doing jolly songs, I think this is probably the best one of their jolly songs. It is a bit yeah. cheesy and a bit 80s. Very, but it, I would but, say. It, but it is quite enjoyable. The rest of the album, with the exception of the last track, which I think is a cracker, is fairly sort of mediocre to a bit boring. There's a couple of boring tracks. The rest is sort of mediocre, I would say. I, I agree with you that Brothers, Brothers in Arms, the closing track, is great. I, I do like The Man's Too Strong. That would be my only exception in side two. I think it's not a classic. It's not amazing. But I think Ride Across the River and The Man's Too Strong are two pretty strong tracks. I but enjoy both of them. Hmm. Probably more than probably enjoy side two more than side one, actually. I would even go as far as to Gosh, say that. That is madness, fella. Well, I don't think it is. Mainly for those two tracks, but then to me they sound a bit more like Love Over Gold type tracks. Mm. So maybe that's why, whereas the rest of the album is a bit too poppy for my taste, with obvious exception, again, of the last track, which was actually a huge pop hit, despite not being poppy. So we're going for the last track, aren't we? We've both said that's uh, that's the uh, the beast on the album there. I mean, to me, the, the, big the, lad. the two strongest tracks by far are So Far Away and Brothers in the Arms. And for you... Well, Brothers in Arms, yes. So that's And secondly, I would say it's probably The Man's Too Strong or Money for Nothing. I don't think we can pick Money for Nothing, though, even though we do overlap a little bit there. So you want so... Well, all right, well, we can put So Far Away on then, but you have to know you owe me a favour, so I think I'm going to cash in quite quickly. Well, I think you've already... Bearing in mind where we currently are in the listing... All right, let's just put those tracks on and then let's just leave it wherever and let's just sort the, the order out later. Because there's no point in us trying to put this in order now. Well, we need to just look at this later, the one we look at the whole. I beg to differ, fella. Oh, God. Yeah, I thought you might. No, but bro- my point being that Brothers in Arms is already in the right place. Oh. <laughs> it's it's definitely the... You put it at the bottom. It's the way, yeah, by far. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, well, let's just leave it there for now. <laughs> anyway, let's just... Yeah, look, let's move on, right? Massive tour, massive world tour, biggest band in the world, do Live Aid. They're pretty much the first band booked on Live Aid, which is, at least in John Illsley's version of events, the reason it's such a success, a runaway success. I I think you might be... (laughs) He he did say that by signing, getting Dire Straits on board, it gave other acts the confidence to sign on too. I don't think he was like saying they were single-handedly responsible for... No, yeah, Bob Geldof played a part. <laughs> anyway, look, let's just... So they did that, massive band, massive world tour, completely exhausted. Band basically ends. That's it, end of story, except it isn't. No, yeah, so we're back for 1991. I think the lineup is... I've not written it down, but it's completely changed. I think it's just John Ilsley, Martin Upfler... And then loads of people. And a new set of musicians... I don't dare ask about the album. What? Where do you stand on this one? I think it now, Dire Straits are clearly out of step with everything else that's going on in music, which is not necessarily a problem. That doesn't matter. But it just feels there's nothing here. There's nothing new. There's nothing interesting. Even the good made things that made Dire Straits really good, like Mark Knopfler's brilliant guitar playing, is largely, it's not absent, of course it's not, but there aren't that many, you know, pickety guitar solos and stuff. So apart from the opening track, Calling Elvis, which I think is a really decent song, for me this is just mainly bland, boring, nothing there, same old country-y, nothing much happening, verse, chorus, 12 long tracks, meh, it's alright, I will never listen to it again. I would say, I think generally, I think it's got quite a nice vibe and a nice sound to it. There's no 80 in it, 
I think, like, you're right, obviously, it's early 90s, so it's, like, completely, like, couldn't have been more out of fashion. And, like, I remember as, um, what, we're 91? So I'll have been eight. Will I have been 18? Yeah, 18. Hearing the singles, like, calling Elvis and Heavy Fuel and just not being remotely interested at the time. But, as I said, listening back, it's quite nice. And it's, as I said, it's got this sort of vibe. It is an hour long, which I think is is preposterous but i also agree with a lot of what you said in the fact that it is actually a little bit dull overall i mean listening back to the two tracks i've said like heavy fuel i think is dreadful i agree my bottom track on the album i think it is mine yeah or or indeed of their career pretty much i have it joint bottom with less boys (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah me too i'm calling elvis i do quite like now I, i i didn't at the time and i am okay with it we have actually got agreed on something I am okay. I did quite like Calling Elvis even at the time, although I found I was disinterested in Dash Straits, as you say. I had no intention to buy the album. The first time I ever heard the album was when preparation for this. But Calling Elvis, I do remember liking at the time, and I still like it now. I think it's a strong track that could have sat on any of their albums, you know. I mean, this album, I think, be all, it's all right. So it's, it's a kind of like, I don't know if it is even a compliment, really, but it's kind of a compliment sort of nice as backing music because i don't think it like particularly stands out but it does have sort of like a generally nice vibe and sound to it yeah it's well produced and well put together in that sense yes but it's it's an hour long it's too long they need to get they've got rid of say three tracks and there's, there's plenty of tracks he could have got rid of obviously heavy fuel you would start with completely yeah um and then probably a couple at least a couple more i think just to and it will probably improve the album quite a lot Oh, yeah, yeah. As we've said before, that tightness of needing to fit onto a vinyl, that 45-minute limit, was a very good discipline. Yes. And I think bands should have stuck with that, even if, obviously, the actual technical limit disappeared. It was still still something to stick to. It's it's a good, just by fluke, it's just a good, si- good, good size to have an album, a good length. That's enough. Yeah, I think so. It's obviously something about the human brain. It's like the right sort of length of time to listen to sort of one piece or one collection of, of music. And, and I've questioned that and I've thought, is that actually just because that's what we used to and we grew up with and therefore that just got fixed in our brains and we're just being a little bit stick in the mud and not, not changing? But I don't think so. And people who grew up with different experiences may disagree. People older than us or younger than us that see this differently. I don't think so. I think it just by fluke was about right. And many, many people talk about albums being too long these days. It's not just people of our age. Mm. And also, for, for in terms of what you, how much interesting music a band can create is obviously finite, as many bands prove. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what are your favourite tracks then? Okay, so bear with me on this, fella, because there is actually a slight agreement here. Oh, so good. If it's, ju- if it's just me, of disagreement. I was picking the two tracks. I would be picking You and Your Friend... And when it comes to you. But I do think Calling Elvis and When It Comes to You are actually quite similar. So I'm quite happy to pick Calling Elvis and put that on the list. Okay, let's do that then. So as I said, my other, my so my second track on that would be You and Your Friend. I don't know where, where you stand with other tracks. That's mid-ranking for me. That's mid-ranking for me. I mean, I'm okay with that. I would have picked Fade to Black, which I really do quite like. I don't mind Ticket to Heaven either. And then You and Your Friend is kind of next. Yeah, I mean, I'm Fade to Black, I've got higher up as well. That's in my top four. I would say there was four sort of more, don't want to use the phrase standout tracks because I don't think they particularly are, but they, they kind of are. They're, uh, they're ranked higher above the rest. 
by a little gap. So fade to black is end that. I'm happy with that if you are, if you're okay with that. I think so. We'll go with that. I mean, I would leave it at the bottom. Yes. I think with this is one where we agree. It is not, it's just not strong enough, is it? That album is definitely, definitely sixth. I don't hate it, but I, I couldn't imagine ever putting it on. Yeah, I would agree. So we've now got the six albums in no particular order, really, because it neither reflects my or nor your order. Mm. So your top album is Communique. Communique. My, my ranking is basically chronological, except you move Communique up to the top. And they've Above basically got worse for me. So you think they've got worse? Whereas, yeah, well, I kind of thought they pretty much got better until Love Over Gold and then went down again. So, so you'd have I would go Love Over Gold. No, they peaked at Love Over Gold. Oh, so I would go Love Over Gold, Making Movies, maybe Brothers in Arms next, Dash Straits, Communique, and then, call it, what's it called? Calling oh, Out on, on, every on Every Street. Yeah, that's probably what I would do. I'm open to having Brothers in Arms a bit lower because I, uh, I'm kind of, I do agree with you, it's very all over the place in terms of quality of songs. Mm. Although it does have some really good stuff on it. So I'm, I'm okay with that being lower. That doesn't really bother me in the slightest. And I'm okay with Communique above Dare Straits because there are some nice bits on it and it does it has got the keyboard layer, as you said, and it is a nicer sounding album. Although I do, So I'm all right with that way round. So in a sense, I'm kind of okay with the bottom four, but obviously you're not with the top two. No, you see, my... my- I would have making movies above Love for a Gold as well. So I would have the the middle two at the top and the top two at the middle, and obviously. In different orders. So there really is no way around this other than just fudging. Yeah. There's, there's no synergy, I think is the, the phrase. We just have to compromise. So if we were to move Communique up above making movies, would that work for you? I think maybe that's probably what we've got to do. Although I'm kind of like sat here in sort of staggered si- uh, silence about the, the order. There's not, I mean, for me, there's not actually sort of a massive difference between those top four. I think we've got, we've got, if we keep Brothers in Arms second from last, to me, I agree with the bottom two. I don't have a problem with that. Yes, it's not my bottom two, but I kind of think there's two albums which are better than the rest. Two albums, or one album which is clearly the worst, which is on, on every street. Okay. The first two albums to me are just a bit uninteresting, and I don't. Brothers in Arms is so patchy; it's hard to know where to put it. Yeah. I was quite happy with it being third in my list after Love Over Golden Mickey Movies, but I'm slightly less. I said I was quite sure about this ranking. I'm now less sure, having discussed it. But we've, uh, we do actually have some kind of common ground here in the fact that we've both got two albums we think are the best, although they're different too. And every, on every street is at the bottom. So I think to me that confirms that Brotherhood in Arms has to stay where it is. Yeah, true. Good point. All right. Are you okay with that? Um, kind of, yeah. That's it then. So the final ranking is number six is On Every Street. Number five is Brothers in Arms. Number four is the debut album, Dire Straits. Number three is Making Movies. Number two is Communique. And the top album, in our joint opinion, <laughs> is Love Over Gold. Okay, welcome back. We're now about three weeks since we had the discussion. And I have to say, the ranking has not sat well with me. I've been trying to work out how to sort out this problem of us basically liking uh, different parts of Dire Straits. And I have a, I was going to say solution, 
but it, it still it doesn't really solve it properly. But I think it's a, a better ranking than ours. So I was thinking, I d- since we did the ranking, I was very unhappy with having Love Over Gold as number one because it's my fourth album. And as I listen to more and more Dire Straits, the gaps between my ranking is, is they've spread out more. So, so you mean like you have more clarity? Well, yeah. I when think you say the my, gaps. My ranking hasn't really changed. So it's still Communique is number one and Dire Straits is number two. Making Movies, three. Love Over Gold, four. Then I have Brothers in Arms and On Every Street. Those gaps between those two four, has, that top four, sorry, has got bigger. So they're sort of a clearer ranking for me. The bottom two less so, but we're okay with those. Yeah, I think we're okay with the bottom two. So we can just focus more on this top four then. Yeah. So you've essentially got the two Americana albums to use our way of splitting this up, which you like and put to top. Yes. And then you've got the two slightly proggier albums, which I prefer. Yeah. So we need to interlace them, which is what we've done. Yeah. So I tried different ranking systems in my head, but because we're completely opposite in our rankings, when you kind of score it, every album ends up on the same points. Right, okay. So I was trying different ways. So my solution, if you want to call it that, is actually swapping Love Over Gold with Making Movies. Well, I wondered if you were building up to that. I, I, I have also progressed slightly my opinions since we recorded the first part not a lot either i I basically still stick with the structure we've got i'd have brothers in arms a bit a little bit higher the only the thing that's changed for me is i would put communique oh god i still can't say it communique i would put that above dire straits now i do actually prefer that album to dire straits whereas before that was me compromising for you whereas now now i've actually settled that actually yes i do prefer it but that's the only thing that's kind of changed for me. I think putting making movies top over love and putting love over gold down to third. Yes, to swapping them round. Yeah, my my thinking is making movies is the album that has the biggest crossover for us in the Venn diagram of what we like. We both quite like this album. Yeah, whereas it's, it's my number less, two album. It's, it's your number it's, three album. It's my number three, and there's I think there's less of a crossover with the other three albums in our top four hang on when you said they all came out the same point so you mean like you put communique one i put it i think fourth now yeah so that gets five points do you mean like that yes that kind of thing yeah right and that just puts everything on the same does it it does yeah because we're basically had the opposite so you actually make the problem worse because you just have all four albums on the same ranking we just cancel each other out okay well i mean i guess we can do that it's wrong anyway by my standards and it's wrong by yours so if that makes it slightly more uh, a representative of both of our views it's not what yeah i'm gonna repeat myself i think it does i think it is more obviously the list is always a compromise isn't it unless we absolutely 100 percent agree which i don't think we ever have quite um, well I, I yeah of course it is but at the same time i do try to stay open-minded and then try to listen to what you've got to say, so rather than just insisting on my view. Whereas I think in this case, it was just they're playing two different types of music almost, not quite. And you like one type more, and I like the other type more. So I think in this one, there really isn't a lot, anything else we can do. I mean, there's only so much you can actually listen, because obviously I listen to you banging on about Love Over Gold, but ultimately... When you say banging changed, on... ...hasn't changed my view, yes? When you say banging on, do you mean making an articulate argument for its greatness? 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah, banging on, that's what I said. Banging on. Right, so anyway, we swapped this around. So this new ranking with making movies at the top is the one, and that will be the one on the website. So do we need to now re-record that bit where we do the albums in order? Let's do that. So at number six is On Every Street. And number five is Brothers in Arms. Number four is Dire Straits. Number three is my favourite album, Love Over Gold. And number two is my favourite album, Communique. And number one is nobody's favourite album, Making Movies. That's much more sensible. (laughs) And did you uh, coordinate us reading that so you didn't have to say Communique? No, that's a complete fluke. I have to now um, access my inner Mark Knopfler when I do it and think, Communique. So the next item on the agenda would be album covers. So obviously there's only six to look at. And personally, I think most of them are a little bit understated too much the only ones i think that are i do like are love over gold and brothers in arms which i think about again they're quite simple but they're they're very striking images yeah i think the the dire straits communique and making moves we can discount immediately as being not horrible absolutely okay but as you say very understated and really not saying much I do think the other three are all quite decent covers. I also quite like the cover of On Every Street. So those three are my favourite covers. I find the Lubova Gold one a little bit too, what's the word? I don't know, overdramatic. It's, you know, a big lightning strike. It just just seems like it's just trying a bit too hard. I kind of think I prefer either Brothers in Arms or Calling uh, On Every Street. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. But um... I'm, I'm a box of surprises, fella, still, after all this time. I've just realised I think I used the word striking as well, so the uh, unintentional pun. Oh, yes. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, that's very clever. Uh, yeah, well, It would have been if you'd had, meant it. Had I thought of it, yes, yeah. it would, would have been. Yeah, so I, so I guess by that, we've voted Brothers in the Arms as the best record cover, again, via compromise. Next would be Extra Tracks. There isn't really rich pickings here with Dare Straits. There's a couple of B-sides and that twisting by the pool, which personally I don't like at all. So I wouldn't be suggesting any, any extra tracks here at all. I agree. I thought the same. I don't want twisting by the pool on just because it exists. It doesn't say anything. So no, I, I agree. I would say as well, that when I was looking at all their other stuff, if you, um, their compilations, the is it Money for Nothing, isn't it? The compilation... Yeah, it is actually a really good best of, and the I think the one problem on it is twisting by the pool, and they should have got rid of that. All right, yeah, it, it's the only flaw on the album, and if they'd have put, um, well, for me something like so far away on or something, but one of the earlier tracks. But I, certainly, if you get rid of that, but most of the time, I think best offs don't get close. But I think here for me, they're, they're very very close to a, a proper best of there. So we move on to live tracks. Do you have any thoughts here? Have you got anything? Yeah, well, I was looking at mainly Alchemy because that was the most obvious one to look at. And also, I think it's something that I used to actually watch quite often. I had a video of it. And I used when I was a, a young lad, I used to watch that reasonably often. I really enjoyed it. So I went back to that mainly. And I wanted to think of a couple of tracks that we haven't actually put on that I liked. So maybe Tunnel of Love from there because that was... A song that I really liked, which I don't think made our main playlist, did it? No, it didn't. I, I was I went back to Alchemy as well, and I was thinking, actually, should we put Sultans of Swing from Alchemy on? 
because it's a jolly sort of 10 minute version obviously we would have to pick another album off sorry another song off dire straits but that might be a a jolly way of of completing our playlist the the other live track i was going to suggest was again because i like the first two albums i really like the um live at the bbc album and i was going to suggest tunnel of love off there oh okay so that's quite nice so tunnel of love off live at the bbc and then sultans of swing and then we pick another song from dire straits oh yeah okay i like that because that is a really really good version of sultans of swing on alchemy and i discounted it because we picked the track on the playlist yeah like you're thinking fella that's good thinking well, I'm glad. Uh, like, like, it's nice to actually agree on a li- little part of this podcast. Yeah. Well, you've come up with a good pun, albeit accidentally, and you've um, come up with a good idea. So it's your day, I would say. Yeah, it's quite a day. Big day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So off dire straits. Well, I'm struggling a little because I only really like "Down to the Waterline" and "Sultans of Swing." There's a few of the songs that are perfectly fine. Okay. But for me, they were the two standout tracks. So I'm happy to go with whatever you think. I will be picking one of these four. I'll give you four tracks and see if one jumps out. And one of them is Six Blade Knife, which I know you don't like. It's all right. Which leaves In the Gallery, Wild West End or Lions. Well, I have those three ranked pretty much equally and sort of middle ranking. I didn't dislike any of them. So I'd probably let, let's go for Wild West End then with a... Not an enormous amount of enthusiasm from, from me. I do think it improves the playlist, though, to finish on the Sultan's Swing um, Alchemy version. I, I have agreed with you that that was a good idea. About three weeks since we've, we did the main part of the podcast, um, and I've still been listening. And I, yeah, so I'm still, still, I think, developing my opinion on certain things. I did even have a discussion with myself on whether On Every Street is better than Brothers in Arms. Goodness me. On the ground that on, the, on every street was more consistent. And what did you think when you discussed it with yourself? I didn't get a conclusive answer, but I think probably on reflection it's still bottom. I think this is the end of this one. I don't, do you have any other, anything else to raise? I do have so many other business. Gosh, we don't usually have some. I know, but this we do exciting. this time. It is, it is, because I was doing a little bit of research and I was looking into the lyrics of Money for Nothing. And if you remember, I gave a rather entertaining rant about the importance of not using words like, uh, slur words like um, faggot and stuff in, mm. in lyrics. Then I, I think that's uh, inappropriate. But anyway, I was reading about this and where it came from. And apparently the song is... I suppose you'd say satirical, but the actual quotes that Mark Knopfler heard when he was buying stereo equipment in a shop and the person was talking to him about the state of pop music today. So he was just capturing or he was over overhearing what was being said by this person or people in the in the store about they were talking about the state of pop music this this day and age. And therefore he was just capturing a lot of their lines and that he was just using them in that context. So it was kind of more of a parody of the sort of people that say that rather than him saying that. And I don't think that's clear from the song when you listen to the song, but it does put me in a slightly more comfortable position with it. I think it it does come across as being obviously some kind of character rather than his own opinions, if you know what I mean. I did kind of get that vibe, but obviously I didn't didn't know that background, which is is obviously uh, top quality journalism there, fella. Yeah. Good bit of investigative stuff. So, so yeah, so I thought that was interesting, and, and I think it does make it easier for me to like the song. So that's good. 
Is that it then? Have we finished? I think that is because I don't have any any other business. Okay, it's the end of that one then. All right, stop, stop, stop that music. This is now actually quite a long time after we recorded and released the podcast. We really do not like this ranking. We're both very unhappy with it, aren't we, fella? We are. We've been miserable for for weeks. It's playing around in our heads. We think we've messed this up. We've got it all wrong. So we're doing this emergency intervention. I am inserting this bit of audio in the end bit. So if you're listening to this, you know that because you're listening to it. Whereas if you listen to the podcast first, you won't be listening to this bit. So you won't know about this. So what we what tell what were you thinking, Gordon? Well, I think the issue was that we ended up with making movies as our top album, which is a complete compromise and is neither of our favourites. I think it was both of our was it third or third for me and second yes. for you was yes. it? So having sulking about this for a while, it did occur to me that you also said in, in the later bit that you felt communique had come up in your estimations. So Using that as a scoring system, that would mean that Communique then leapt from joint first with everything, or was it joint second, to actually just edging out ahead. So I was suggesting that we would make Communique top as our top-ranked album, which granted is my favourite album, and to compromise, to deal with the compromise of that is actually move your favourite album, Love Over Gold, up to second. So making movies would then drop to third, with Dire Straits in fourth, Brothers in Arms fifth, and On Every Street sixth, as they were before. This is our final, final ranking of the Dire Straits albums now. We're not changing this again. That said, if you look at the podcast and there's still <laughs> 10 minutes running, we might have changed yeah, our mind. At the moment, there should be about 20 seconds left of this, and that's about it. So we'll just quickly do a final run-through of our final, final version of this. Yeah, so the final ranking, which is definitely right and will never need to change, is in sixth place on every street. That definitely won't need to change, whatever happens. Brothers in Arms, fifth. In fourth place, Dire Straits, the debut album. On third place, then, is Making Movies. And in second place, now is Love Over Gold. So our top album is now Communique, <laughs> which I pronounced right. Yeah. It only took four months, was it? <laughs> <laughs>